Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Alcantara, Soroka, you look so good in Boca. Peralta, Manoa, Balsak, Ferrer, Rinola, Gilito, Castillo, Yoshida, Welcome in to Fantasy Baseball today on April 15th. Frank Sample joined by Scott White here to break down all of Thursday's action. We had a historic offensive performance, a bunch of stinky pitchers that we'll get to pretty early on. Plus, we'll get you ready for week three. Big win for my Yanks. You know what that means. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. How are we doing, Scotty? Oh, I'm fine. I'm doing just fine. I wanted to make sure you spoke before I got to my oh my goodness gracious player because it would have just been me talking for like the first five minutes and that would have been weird. So I've had a lot to say already. Yeah. <laughs> doing good. All right. right so uh, let's get into uh, my oh my goodness gracious player. And I'm going to stick with the theme here. The Yankees, Luis Severino, vintage Severino in this performance against the Toronto Blue Jays. Five shutout innings, two hits, two walks, six strikeouts. 15 swinging strikes on 83 pitches. That's an 18% swinging strike rate. Six of those mm-hmm. came on the changeup, five on the cutter. And that new cutter, Scott, I know we mentioned it recently and kind of worried that he wasn't throwing his slider because it used to be one of his best pitches. He used his cutter 23% of the time, and the results on that pitch were tremendous. 71% whiff rate, 53% CSW. That's called strikes plus whiffs. Just awesome. His velocity was back up. Same point to where it was at back in 2018. Mm-hmm. Scott, just like that, flip on a dime. I well, thought he looked amazing in the start. He did. No, he looked good. And and some of those new pitches looked good. They were very effective. I, I kind of dispute the vintage Severino claim because I mean, it's, it's not just the slider was one of his more effective, most effective pitches before Tommy John surgery. It was the breadwinner. It was... Okay, maybe he'll develop a changeup someday, but this slider's so good that it may not matter. It was one of those types of pitches. And you know, sliders are notoriously put put a strain on the elbow. So you could understand how he might want to lay off that pitch. He might want to develop some new ones. And at least in this start here against a very good Blue Jays lineup, it, it it looked like it could be a successful formula for Luis Severino, but we don't really know. Like if he's changed his pitch mix that much, we don't really know what we're dealing with here. And that scares me. I'm encouraged if I have Severino more encouraged than after his first start. Uh, but I, I think it's a, uh, I, I think there's still a lot we need to, to discover. It's, it's basically a different pitcher now than the one we saw when he last pitched significantly, which was like, what, 2018? It was a long time ago. Yeah. 
Yep. And the velocity that I mentioned, I mean, that was something that was really encouraging. That fastball velocity was the same as it was back in 2018. I guess my retort to your retort, Scott, would be uh, what if the cutter just kind of takes the place of the slider? I mean, just for tonight, yeah. it was basically as good as we've seen the slider in the past. And I kind of agree with your assessment where the, the slider does put a lot of strain on the elbow. I was going to present that as a, a conspiracy theory that he's using this cutter uh, so that there's not as much strain on his elbow. So I agree with oh, you. No, I, I think that's yeah. why else would he stop throwing his best pitch? I think that's... An, it's not a conspiracy theory. I think it's just a logical theory, <laughs> right? You know, uh, um, so, this, so this cutter, by the way, Scott. I mean, it's like nasty. Ninety-one miles per hour. I saw it maxed out at ninety-five. Uh, I forgot yeah. who he struck out, but like there was one strikeout with this cutter that was really, really nasty. So I agree, he's a new pitcher. I don't want to like overreact to this, but right. maybe the cutter just kind of slots in for the slider for Severino. Yeah, no, it, it totally could. And and like I said, this this start is. A, a good early sign, but it's just one start. And 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 again, I just like I, I feel like I need more data on this pitcher who only faintly resembles the previous Severino before I can have a lot of confidence in him. But yeah, I mean, if this was just a no name who did this tonight, like if if this was Tyler McGill at the start of the season, just turning in this start Severino just did, it'd be like okay, let's get excited. But I'm I'm comparing it to this previous standard of Severino, which was you know top ten type pitcher in fantasy, and I still don't know, I still don't know if he's quite capable of that. As as encouraging as this start was, yeah, this is legitimately his best start in four years. I, I mean, I guess it would be like three and a half years, but yeah, it, it's a good sign. And he is at Detroit next week, Scott. Would you be okay starting Severino in that spot? Yeah, that's fine. All right, cool. Oh my goodness gracious player for you, Scotty, who you got? So I'm going to say Shohei Otani, who, wow, what a difference a turn makes. Because last <laughs> time on opening day, he looked so overpowering against the Astros, right? The best team in, the best lineup in baseball last year. Uh, and he went, to, he went against Texas this time. And uh, the results were very different. Six earned runs and three and two thirds innings. And specifically... Uh, you know, those Astros couldn't do anything off Otani, but Jonah Heim, the Rangers backup catcher, just murdered him. He had a grand slam off Otani, went three for four on the day. It was a bad start, but you know what? The velocity that we were raving about after that first start, it was still way up from a year ago. Uh, the spin rates were still great on all of his pitches. Like, it, it's not a question of stuff for Otani. I don't really read much into this performance from him you know we've seen a lot of really good pitchers have bad outings the first time through and a lot with clearer warning signs than i'd say otani showed here so um probably just write it off as a bad one go get him next time and jonah heim of course we're not going to hear much from him this season because the rangers have mitch garver so it's noteworthy but i don't really think it's actionable in any way in fantasy all right are you comfortable if you have just otani the pitcher using him next week at houston i know he was good against them on opening yeah. day uh but yeah. all right yeah i'm comfortable otani the pitcher using him against anybody like, okay and, and unless he has like two more starts in a row like this then we, then i'd start to question it but i doubt that's going to happen 
Uh, Scott, do you have any concerns with Otani, the hitter thus far? He is 5 for 29 with 10 strikeouts to one walk, a 34.5% strikeout rate as a hitter to start the season. I, there were some doubts he could live up to last year's numbers. And he had his batting average took a drop quite a bit in the second half. So to a degree, yes. I mean, I feel a little less confident he's going to return first round value. But like, am I so worried about Otani that I'm benching him in fantasy? No. No. And I think it's important. You know, we stress this every year. I'm not sure we've gone far enough stressing it this year. And and you know, you don't you don't like to keep hammering at home because it just, you know, it it just sounds redundant. It sounds like a cop out, but like it's important to remind everyone, including myself, the season's a week old. <laughs> right. <laughs> like it, it feels like it's been going on a lot longer than that. It's been a week. A week ago was the opening day podcast. And so almost nothing means anything at this point. And and I say I have to remind myself because I'm I'm furiously refreshing all my scoreboard pages on my on my rotisserie leagues or really any league and, and just you know begging me to move up in the standings <laughs> and it's just like it, it, uh, what's happened so far is a drop in the bucket and like if if this was a week in the middle of July nothing anybody did would be getting any kind of reaction from us, you know, like if, if it was just an isolated week, not, you know, I'm not obviously like three weeks leading up to it or whatever. So yeah, it's just, it's important to keep that in mind. No, I think it's a good reminder for everyone, Scott. I mean, there is a human element obviously to this game. There's a lot of psychological uh, psychology that comes with playing fantasy and stuff and, you know, not overreacting and, and trying to overcome biases biases and, there's a lot going on, and I have to remind myself, too, I had the ultimate gut punch earlier on Thursday, and I'll get to it in just a little bit, but I it felt like the sky was falling. It was like one thing after another, but before we get to that, got to give a shout-out to Manny Machado with uh, a game for the ages here, five for five with a home run and two steals. That's a sock and two shoes. That's one stinky foot. Scott, were you someone who ever, did you ever wear sneakers without socks? Because I always thought that was so weird. Does anybody do that? <laughs> I I knew some people growing up that, I mean, maybe you don't do it all the time, but you're in a rush. You're just like, I'm going to throw my sneakers on with no socks. Like if I'm going weird. out to check the mail or something, maybe. <laughs> right. But, you know, no, not as, you know, for a while, I wondered, you know, I'd look around, you know, particularly like, middle school age, you know, that, that really difficult period where you just, you feel like it's impossible to, to live up to your peers at anything. And you look around at other people's feet and it looked like they weren't wearing socks, but then I came to discover there's such a thing as ankle socks, you know, like <laughs> that just are completely hidden by the shoe. And it's not that they weren't wearing socks. So, you know, I, I I'm not sure I'm not sure I've encountered that, that somebody legitimately, <laughs> consistently not wearing socks in their sneakers. Don't do that. That It's gross. Anyway, Machado, awesome game. Five for five, a home run and two steals. 18 fantasy points on CBS. That's basically a quality start for a pitcher. So shout out to him. And per Jeremy Frank, at MLB Random Stats on Twitter, encourage everyone to uh, follow him there. 
Machado is just the fifth player since 1901 with five hits, four runs scored, two steals, and a home run in the same game. That's how historic this performance was. Just an absolute breakout for Manny Machado. You'll love to see it. And I wanted to give a shout out to some other Padres who had big games as well, Scott. Eric Hosmer, four for five with a double, two RBI, not hitting for much power early on, but he's hitting. 12 hits, he's batting 462, 25% rostered. I was kind of interested, Scott, you know, maybe in some deeper leagues. I picked him up in a 15-team Roto League last week, using him as my corner infielder. But I saw that he has four lefties on the schedule next week, so that kind of dampens any excitement for Eric Hosmer. I don't think you should have much anyway. You know? <laughs> like he's the, the issue with Eric Hosmer has always been he doesn't elevate enough. And there's like, he's still not, you know, early this season, even though he's been getting some hits, he's still not elevating enough for, to deliver the kind of power we need from a first baseman. So again, it's, it's one week and I don't think he's going to continue getting a bunch of ground ball hits at this rate, you know, Mm -hmm. Occasional line drive hits too, I understand. But the point is, not enough power in the long run for you to want to start him at first base. Do you have his StatCast page pulled up? Uh, Not at the moment. I was looking at it earlier tonight. (laughs) Would you like to guess his launch angle entering tonight's game? I think it was negative. (laughs) Negative 0.1 for Eric Hosmer. So that's a lot of ground balls. I I agree with you. It's probably not going to last. He is hitting the ball very hard. So obviously that helps these balls uh, find a few holes. But... And, and even if he had like a 12 degree launch angle, you know, something good it would be the best on record for him, frankly. Yeah. It would still only be a week of him doing that. So I would still be highly skeptical of it, but at least it would, there would be a better justification for having enthusiasm for Hosmer. Yeah. The other Padre I wanted to give a shout out to CJ Abrams, one for five with his first career home run came off of our guy, Charlie Morton, unfortunately, but yeah. Gets a, uh, a homer in the books before his first steal. I saw you tweeting about that, Scott. We, we didn't expect it, but mm-hmm. hey, here we are. And speaking of uh, Abrams and Charlie Morton, Scott, have you had one of these gut punch days in fantasy baseball yet? I, I know we're only a week in, but have you had any? What do you mean by that? Just an awful day? Yeah, just like everything that can go wrong well, did go wrong. Wh- what pitchers... Would you guess I'm most invested in? What starting pitchers, Frank? <laughs> well, then I would say that you just had the same day as I did because <laughs> Adam Wainwright and Charlie Morton, they were not yeah. good uh, in my main event league, which is my most important league, NFBC. It's huge buy-in, frankly. And I started Adam Wainwright, Kyle Gibson, and Charlie Morton. That came out to an 8.36 ERA on the day. And... It was just brutal. I also wanted to ask you, are you superstitious at all? Because a lot of people say, like, don't watch your pitchers pitch in fantasy. I watched all three pitchers pitch, and each one just got rocked. And I'm just left my head in my hands. What am I doing? Why do I play fantasy sports? I am so bad at this. (laughs) Not only am I not superstitious, I am... I don't even know what the word, like anti-superstitious. If, <laughs> I, if you tell me not to do something for superstitious reasons, I will do it just to, just to prove you wrong. I don't know what the opposite is. I thought it would just be stitious, but, but that yeah. doesn't sound right either. Uh, anyway, between these three pitchers, got Adam Wainwright, he gave up four earned runs over four and a third. 
Kyle Gibson, I mean, he's obviously not in the same category as these guys. Four earned runs over uh, four and two-thirds. He did have 17 swinging strikes in the start. And then our guy, Charlie Morton, five earned runs over five innings pitched. Anything that you saw notable from those three performances? Uh, the pitchers? Yes. Wainwright, Gibson, and Morton? No, I mean, obviously Gibson is the one we have the least confidence in. He had a great first outing. But... I, I don't know that anybody was expecting him to have a career season based on that. Interestingly enough, at my at the Marlins today, he had 17 swinging strikes on 91 pitches. And in the past, he's had some pretty good swinging strike seasons as Kyle Gibson, but not so much last season. And I don't know. I, I don't make... I, I don't think there's a real takeaway yet, but the, the 17 whiffs did catch my attention. All right. Uh, for Again, for Kyle Gibson, he had 17 swinging strikes in this start, 16 swinging strikes in his first start. I would hold him in deeper leagues, you know, in 12-teamers. If someone like Mackenzie Gore or Merrill Kelly is available, I would drop Kyle Gibson for one of those guys. Uh, but I would hold him in deeper leagues. Do not start him next week. He's at the Colorado Rockies. <laughs> Obviously, we just want nothing to do with that. Uh, Scott, before we get to your week three sleepers, we'll hit that early on here. Uh, quick thoughts on the Mariners youngsters because they had, well, Jared Kelnick had a huge game. Julio Rodriguez was okay. Uh, Kelnick, a sock and a shoe of his own, a home run, his second steal of the season. The homer, 114 mile per hour exit velocity, the hardest hit by a left-handed batter this season. Thought that was awesome to see. Julio Rodriguez went one for three with a walk and his second steal, however, two more strikeouts, brings him to a 52% strikeout rate on the season. Some early thoughts on those two, Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez. I am a little concerned with the strikeouts. If they were making outs that weren't all strikeouts, it'd be different. Uh, especially since we just went through this with Kelnick last year. But the performance Kelnick had with the sock and the shoe, with the loud home run, as you point out, Frank. I, I mean, that's a reminder of the upside that's there. And of course, the it's only a week rule still applies for them, too. It's a little harder to have faith when you haven't seen them succeed in the, at, at the major league level before, not for any real length of time anyway. But it's too early to consider dropping either. And, you know, hopefully this performance from Kelnick and, and, and frankly, Julio Rodriguez, the fact he already has two stolen bases. I mean, that was the most questionable part. Will, would he run at the major league level? And for somebody who's hardly gotten on base to have already two stolen bases, I think is, is very encur encouraging from that standpoint. But in the end, he's going to need to hit. Let's give it a few more weeks. Yeah, I mentioned on last night's podcast, you weren't here, Scott, but Kyle Lewis is rehabbing and he's on his way back soon. And, you know, once he returns, this outfield gets a little bit more crowded. So by then, if these guys aren't hitting, then I, I think, you know, someone could find themselves on the outside looking at, I, I don't, it'll It'll depend on who is performing better at that time, but you know, it, it, now is the time. These guys have to show up, Jared Kelnick and Julio Rodriguez. Let's get into week three. I know it might sound weird for some people. If you played the long week one, then this is technically week two for you, but based on the CBS default schedule, uh, the, the short weekend was week one. This past week was week two. This upcoming week that starts on April 18th, uh, will be week three, scheduling to know. 12 teams have seven games. 18 teams have six games. Obviously, zero there with five games. What well, I think I said teams. 12 teams have seven games. 18 teams have six games. 
Zero teams have five games. You'll love to see it. A very even week in terms of scheduling. Scott, kick us off here with some two-start pitchers that you are looking at for week three. Well, as if we haven't brought his name up enough, Merrill Kelly is my favorite two-star pitcher who's rostered in less than 80% of leagues and therefore somebody you could potentially pick up. He's, he's still only 52% rostered for as much as we've discussed him. And, uh, you know, his latest outing, I was a little discouraged by it. He didn't get all the swinging strikes with the changeup that he got in his first start that he got in spring training. And it's still, you know, it's it's still more likely than not that he's kind of a fringe guy all year. Um, but it's worth pointing out that start was against the Astros. He still had success. They're not a team that swings and misses much to begin with. So, you know, let's not let's not bury him based on what was still a successful start. And his matchups this week are uh, the Nationals and the Mets. Two pretty good matchups. I also like Tristan McKenzie. He's a little more rostered, 71%. And, and of course, he's been very hit or miss since first getting promoted in 2020. But his last start was very much a hit, just uh, just Wednesday night. I don't know if it was at night, but on Wednesday. His matchups this week, the White Sox at the Yankees. You know, iffy matchups, but there's a lot of upside there. And he's making two starts. Nick Lodolo at San Diego versus St. Louis. Did not look good in his major league debut, but to get an extra start in there might be worth taking a shot on the talent. Uh, kind of a deep pick is Jordan Hicks. I'm not sure. It, it's technically going to be his first start of the season on Tuesday because they kept having to push it back for scheduling reasons, but he's in line for two starts beginning Tuesday at Miami, at Cincinnati. Um, and, and he's transitioning to a starting role, and he's been primarily a reliever in his major league career to this point. So I'm not sure he's going to be stretched out fully, but you know, we're getting pretty deep into the recommendations here. <laughs> Josiah Gray versus Oh, Scott, you're breaking up. You're breaking up, bud. Man. How you doing? My internet lately. Are you, you back? You got me? I think so. Okay. All right. I yeah, think we're good annoying. now. Sorry. It's all right, man. Sorry about that. Um, there's no interruption on mine. Anyway, so, yeah, I, I would say of those five names I rattled off, the, the two I might actually consider starting are Merrill Kelly and Tristan McKenzie. But Lodolo, Hicks, Josiah Gray, you could think about them if you're, if you're somebody who just wants as many starts as you can get. I think Jordan Hicks, specifically in a points league too, which might sound weird, but you can throw him in your relief pitcher spot. And between those two starts, I think he'll give you enough length that would equal one start, if that makes sense. So, you know, maybe he goes like three innings in each of those. So that would be like what a normal yeah. pitcher would give you. Um, so just something to keep in mind if you're looking for a spark in a in a points league. Uh, all right, Scott, how about some sting, uh, single start streamers that we're looking at? I see you have uh, four names rostered in less than 75% of CBS leagues. Yeah, so Matt Brash is my favorite sleeper overall for this upcoming week, one start or two. He was very impressive in his major league debut, threw a lot of strikes. And this week he gets the, gets the Royals. So very much like that. Andrew Heaney at the Padres, even though they just beat up on Charlie Morton and the Braves, I still think they're a middling lineup. And he showed a lot of swing and miss potential with that new sweeper in his first start. 
We'll see how Mitch Keller's start goes over this weekend. If if it's unsuccessful, then then maybe I'll take him out of the sleeper pitchers for the upcoming week. But at Milwaukee, that's who he lines up for. If he does look good over this weekend, I think he'll be somebody to consider for that matchup against the Brewers. And was there any? Was there, did you want me to mention my? Um, yeah, Miles Michaelis as well at Miami. You know, it's kind of a boring pitcher, but <laughs> good matchup, and he might go deep enough to get a win. Yeah, more of a deeper league play, I would say, for Miles Michaelis. Mitch Keller, I think you said it right. We got to see something this weekend in order to trust him at Milwaukee. They Their bats look like they woke up uh, on Thursday against Adam Wainwright. Lots of hard hits off of him. A few near uh, home runs as well. Like at, um, Christian Yelich hit one that was like off the wall near <laughs> yeah. home run. Uh, yeah, so lots of hard hits. Andrew McCutcheon too. Like yes. They, they both hit it over 400 feet, I, I think. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't go out. Yeah, it was scary. So it looks like the Brewers lineup is starting to wake up. So that that could be uh, kind of scary there for Mitch Keller. I wanted to bring one up, Scott. This is purely in deeper leagues, but I I like to look at the first game that the Rockies are out of Colorado. So they're playing six games from today, well Thursday night through next week, six games in a row at Coors Field, and then their first game next week is in Detroit. And they're going up against Matt Manning. I know Matt Manning isn't great, but I feel like that hangover game, that first game out of Coors Field is somewhere where you can really attack the Rockies. What do you think about Matt Manning in a deeper league? I mean, look, when you get to the point that you're recommending Miles Michaelis, I don't think somebody <laughs> like Matt Manning for that reason is off the table. But I, I do want to reiterate, as I maybe too often do with these sleeper pitcher and hitter recommendations, is like I'd rather not have to resort to any of these guys really like i i come up with a list of 10 to cover all the bases but realistically you know usually my top 10 sleeper pitchers it it might be the top three that i'd consider starting in any of my leagues you know Mm -hmm. so we're we're getting pretty far down there with a matt manning type recommendation or even a miles michaelis recommendation yeah these are Deeper leagues, probably 15-team mixed or NL only, AL only. Or, or like, like desperate situations, you know? Yeah, that's it's, what that's what you want to use the sleepers for. It's Look, if you have stud pitchers on your team, then you're playing those guys. Yeah. Maybe you're looking for a two-starter to mix in there, but for the most part, you're playing your studs early on, and these are mostly desperation calls. Like For the most stuff. part. Now, now the top, my top two sleeper pitchers for this week are Matt Brash and Merrill Kelly. I've mentioned both of them already, so I'm not going to yep. get into the why again, but like, I'd be fine starting Matt Brash or Merrill Kelly in, in basically any league. But yeah, you don't have to go too far. Like, there's a reason these guys are rostered in less than 80% of, the league, of leagues. And, and it's because you'd rather not have to start them, you know? Yeah, for sure. Let's move over to the hitter side of things. Scott, who are the names that you're looking at less than 70% rostered on CBS? So boy, like, this is not a fun week to do sleeper pitchers and hitters. I guess that's why I'm apologizing for them because the way every team's rotation lines up, this is a week where every team's best starters are going twice. So it it makes it hard to find sleeper pitchers because the ones getting the most starts are are really good pitchers. And it makes it hard to find sleeper hitters because hitters are generally going against really good pitchers. So uh, don't love this group. My top two picks are Connor Joe and Randall Gritchick who you know, they were near the top in weeks one and two as well. People are probably tired of hearing about them, but they do remain rostered in few enough leagues that I can recommend them. The Rockies spend half a week at home 
and half a week against the Tigers rotation, Matt Manning included, which is not a very good rotation. So I think I can recommend them with some confidence. I like the Cubs matchups this week, so Ian Happ, I feel okay recommending him. Joshua Lowe of the Rays hasn't done much yet, but he's impacted the ball well. He's gotten on base with walks, and they've been playing him against both lefties and righties. So the matchups for him are pretty good. I believe the toughest pitcher the Rays face this upcoming week is, is Nate Evaldi. And then Kyle Hendricks and Stroman are on there. But, you know, it's not, it's not like a lot of big bat missers where you worry about him just getting carved up. So I, I could see Lowe coming to life this week if you're in a five outfielder league. Seth Brown, I think, is the sneakiest play. He's only 14% rostered. Uh, the A's have the best matchups of any team this week. Seven games, they're going against the Orioles and the Rangers. Brown's off to a good start. And they've only faced one lefty so far, the A's, but he started that game. So it, it seems like they're treating him as more or less an everyday player, which is a surprise, frankly. Uh, also, Jorge Mateo, who's 19% rostered. And uh, I like the Orioles matchups this week, seven games. He's been walking. He's been running when he's gotten on base. If, you don't, if steals don't matter in your league, I'm not sure you need to care that much about Jorge Mateo. But if you haven't invest, if, if steals do matter and you haven't invested in him yet, I think this week is a good time too. I don't think he'll be eighty percent available forever. All right, the best hitter matchups per Scott, and th- these are for uh, the specific teams: the A's, the Twins, the Cubs, the Mariners, and the Orioles. The worst hitter matchups in Week Three: the Braves, the Dodgers, the Cardinals, the Mets. And the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's promote a few things. Fantasy Baseball Today is here to help you dominate your league all season long. But now you can represent your favorite podcast with official Fantasy Baseball Today gear only found on the CBS Sports Store. Discover t-shirts, mugs, sweatpants, laser engraved pint glasses, hats, water bottles, and more to remind your buddies how you got the inside scoop to crush the competition. Right now, Fantasy Baseball Today listeners will get 20% off orders when they use this podcast exclusive code FANTASYBASEBALL20. During checkout again, that's Fantasy Baseball 20, and it's only available for our listeners. Head over to store.cbssports.com slash collections slash fantasy baseball today. That's a really long link. I'm gonna the link is in the uh, the podcast and YouTube description. So if you want to find it, you can uh, you can look for it there. And again, use that code and you will get 20% off your order. And if you want to hear about the latest on top prospects in the game, listen to our Saturday episode of Fantasy Baseball Today in five our five minute podcast. Download and follow wherever you listen to this podcast. Every Saturday, that's going to be the plan moving forward. We'll talk about prospects on there. Make sure you go and check out Scott's Prospect Report live on the site as well, cbssports.com slash fantasy slash baseball. Let's take a break, and when we return, news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. On May 23rd, 
I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Okie dokie. Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's get into the news and notes per an article from Justin Toscano, who covers the Braves for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. The plan is for Ronald Acuna to join Triple A Gwinnett on April 26th for a rehab assignment that seems to be in line with his early May timeline. Within the article, they reference that if he looks really good, maybe he'll start a rehab assignment next week. But I think that April 26th timeline sounds a little bit more accurate for Ronald Acuna. Mackenzie Gore, he's here, Scott. He has been confirmed, <clears throat> excuse me, as the starter on Friday against the Atlanta Braves. He is 61% rostered, so please check to see if he is available in your league. Again, that is Mackenzie Everywhere. Gore. Everywhere. Make sure you get him on your team. He is a must-add right now. Uh, I would say beyond, beyond Jesus Lazardo and Tyler McGill. Mm who are now around like 85% rostered in CBS. So, you know, it's, it's too late for them. But Mackenzie Gore is the most exciting pickup of the year at starting pitcher so far after them. So I, I don't even care that much how the start goes. I mean, obviously he needs to stick around after it. But he was the gold standard of pitching prospects prior to his mechanical issues last year. And, you know, he showed up to camp looking like that guy again and looked like that in his first AAA start. So I think we should treat him that way. All right. Well, Scott, that's why you're a professional because we got an email from Ben and he asked, do I add Mackenzie Gore or Tyler McGill? So you would still go McGill there. Yeah, I would still go McGill. But like, who who else would be in that discussion? Tristan McKenzie, maybe. Merrill Kelly, I uh, guess. Yeah. Yeah, but even he's he's only up to fifty-two. I, I would like Andrew Heaney. I feel like had an exciting first start, but he's not even up to fifty yet in terms of roster rate. Matt so. Brash, I think Matt Brash is in that discussion. Okay, spot. yeah, you need you should have Brash over McKenzie Court too. I forgot about him. <laughs> yeah, I look, it's, it's a fun time for uh, early in the season for some yeah. young, exciting starting pitchers. So uh, Tyler McGill, Mackenzie Gore, Matt Brash, those are the top three right now. Ben also said that Scott needs to grow a stash, make it happen. I don't know how no. we're going to do it, but I would love for it to happen. I have no interest in doing that. Uh, to be honest, that's oh, too controversial. It's too controversial for a Friday. I feel, okay, I'm going to do it anyway. Do right? it. I feel like most facial hair is grown ironically. And I keep waiting for that phenomenon to end. I feel, <laughs> it's been going on for maybe like a decade now but I still have a hard time taking it seriously. Like a well-manicured beard like yours, Frank, I'm not so much talking about that, but I'm talking about the standalone mustache 
or the very bushy beard, you know. Oh, good thing Chris uh, isn't here. You know, I I understand certain faces look better with it. I I get that, but it's just it's so prevalent, and I I I don't know. I haven't totally uh, all these years into it. I haven't totally warmed up to it. Like I feel like it started with Johnny Damon. <laughs> remember when remember when Johnny Damon grew that beard for the Red Sox and everyone oh, was yeah. like, what's going on? He looks like a hobo. <laughs> and, and then and then like you go back and you look at pictures of that beard now and it, it looks very tame by the standards of today. Right. You know? I yeah. don't know. No, I think that's that's my uh that's my highly offensive rant for the day. <laughs> Hot Take Friday from Scott White. Yeah, uh, Johnny Damon, yeah, he probably was one of the first. I know Jason Worth comes to mind where, oh man, at some point I was like, how do they let this guy into the ballpark? But no, <laughs> I mean, he, yeah, he had a big beard going on as well. Look, good thing you don't live here in, in the, the five boroughs, Scott, because you, you walk into Brooklyn and it's just, there are beards yeah. everywhere. And yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot going on there. And, and you know what? Like, I'm not saying you can't have it if you want it. I get it. Like it's, you know, you do you. It's a free country, all of that. But like, don't pressure me into doing it. It's not my yeah. thing. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think it's just, it's like one of those phenomenons, right, Scott? Where I think people just kind of wonder like, how would Scott White look with a mustache? <laughs> that, that's, that's, I mean, that's well, why I would how I look with it. glasses now. How's that going? Yeah, it looks all right. Oh, little, I, uh, I think it suits you well. Yeah. I don't like it. All right. I don't like it at all, but it's it's functional. It's not just there for looks. All right, let's get back into it. Teoscar Hernandez placed on the IL with a left oblique strain. This is a big loss. He was being drafted in the third or fourth round in most leagues, uh, so he's going to be out. Mm, I didn't see an f- official timetable, but obliques can be tricky. Rymel Tapia was batting fifth, and he started in left field on right field, rather, on Thursday. He went one for four. Not, not lots of excitement with, with Tapia. Maybe worth a look in deep, deeper five outfielder leagues. Luis Castillo will throw a live bullpen on Friday. If all goes well, a rehab assignment could be up next. Javier Baez was scratched due to thumb soreness. Eloy Jimenez out of the lineup Thursday after fouling a ball off of his ankle the day before. Gene Segura was out of the lineup after getting hit by a pitch on his arm on Wednesday as well. Robbie Grossman has missed the last two games due to groin tightness. Bryce Elder, Scott, I need you to talk to me about about Bryce Elder. I don't know much about this gentleman. He will pitch on Saturday for the Braves, which means Waskari Noah will lose his second start this weekend. So, unfortunately, if you started him as a two-star pitcher like I did in a few leagues, he will not get that second start. What do we need to know about Elder, Scott? I saw, I think he was like a borderline top 10 or top 15 prospect in the Braves organization. Yeah, he's he's really unconventional. He 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 pitches like somebody much older than he is. He has a lot of different pitches, gets good movement on them, locates them well, and got a lot of strikeouts in the minors last year, but he throws like 91. (laughs) He doesn't have the fastball that most young pitchers have. And so I, I don't think there's a ton of upside there, despite the numbers being good. And, 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 you know, got good results in his first start. Uh, maybe got a little gassed at the end, gave up a couple home runs in his final inning. But I'm not rushing out to add Elder. He's 4% <laughs> rostered. Uh, so, I mean, I, and I'll only... Are you, are you going to put any bids in on him in your 15-team leagues this weekend? 
No. So the start scheduled for Sunday? Yeah. I mean, for, I, mean, I guess for next week. see how that start goes. Right. Uh, but as things stand now, no, I would not be looking at... Uh, NL only is a different story. Obviously, you'd pick them up in NL only. But a 15-team mixed... No, I, I, I would say that roster rate is... Maybe it could be as high as ten percent, but it, we'll we'll see how that second start goes. I have my doubts about Elder's upside. Mm, I just refreshed pl- uh, some player news, and I saw that Jonathan India left Thursday's game with right hamstring tightness. So hopefully, uh, not too bad for him. We need you, Jonathan India. Spencer Howard was placed on the IL with a cracked fingernail slash blister issue. James Caprillion started a rehab assignment on Thursday. He's seventeen percent rostered. He was like kind of useful at times last year, Scott. Any interest in James Caprillion in deeper leagues? Not really. No, he was useful for a stretch, but it was short-lived mm-hmm. and certainly not fresh off injury. All right, let's get to the waiver wire interest o meter. We need more meters. Ten is a must-add player. One, don't even bother. Jesus Sanchez, I know I brought him up the other day, Scott, but another good game. Two for four with a triple, an RBI, a run scored. He is 68% rostered. The waiver wire interest meter in Jesus Sanchez. I would say probably about a five. I mean, there's just no utility for him in a points league because the plate discipline's so bad, he'd need to have a ton of power. So it's pretty much limited to five outfielder Category leagues, roto, traditional roto leagues, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I went too high with the five there. We'll see how. <laughs> I haven't figured out how to calibrate this meter you've just invented yet. But I'll <laughs> say five for Jesus Sanchez and try to base my subsequent ratings on that. All right. I mean, I think he might be valuable in three outfield category leagues if you need power. Uh, yeah. yeah. He only Maybe. Has... I'm just not there yet with them. I, you know, there are a lot of outfielders out there. And theoretically, a three outfielder categories league, assuming 12 teams, you know, how many 36 started, obviously. How many rostered? 45, maybe. Mm-hmm. 46. Maybe as many as 50. Is he in my top 50 yet? No, he's not. So that's that's where I'm at with say Jesus Sanchez. And I love Jesus Sanchez. He's not inside my top 50 either. So uh, I watch him very closely. I have him in the Scott White Dynasty League. And if nothing else, he's just a fun player to watch. He watches at bats and he's like wiggling his hips around. And <laughs> when he's taking pitch, uh, pitches, it's he's he's a unique player. He's a fun player. Uh, let's stick with the Marlins here. I know that you talk about Anthony Bender a lot, Scott. He's only 41% rostered. He gave up two hits, but escaped with his second save in a one-run game against the Philadelphia Phillies. Your waiver wire interest O-meter in Anthony Bender. 10. Ten. Like, it's ridiculous how rostered Jake McGee is compared to Anthony Bender. Like, Bender's probably better, and he's a confirmed closer when McGee hasn't been used anything like a closer so far. And and I'm picking on McGee here, but he's not the only example. They're, relative to other relievers, Bender's roster rate is, is just... Is just outrageous to me. Uh, like I, I guess people are still holding out hope. Dylan Floro comes, or maybe not holding out hope, but they're they're halfway expecting Dylan Floro to come back and take that role. But it's not like Floro was a natural closer. He just he was the guy who backed into the role last year when they traded away their closer. And uh, now that Don Mattingly has already declared Bender his go-to guy in the ninth, I'm not sure why he would revert to. Floro, I, I understand I haven't exactly been the closer whisperer this year, so maybe I'll be dead wrong about this. 
but I feel like ben, like I in my own relief pitcher rankings, I think I put him like 15th at relief pitcher. So definitely need to pick up Bender anywhere. Anywhere saves are valuable. Scott, I don't know that a closer whisperer exists because it is just so tough, especially this time of year, trying to figure out what's going on. I pulled up Jake McGee's player page just to see how old he was, 35 years old. I thought, you know, maybe at some point in life, he like stole Scott's lunch money or something because Scott, you just really do not like Jake McGee, man. Every day, something to say about Jake McGee. Well, it's it's just because people bought in so hard to this hey. little comment from Gabe Kapler. I was one of them. I got Kapler. And, and like, come on, guys, you know better than this. I, you know, it's interesting. You know the baseball sim out of the park? Yes. It's a great baseball sim on the PC. Well, you know, as long as like, I feel like everything's 10 years ago for me, but like 10 years ago, I used to play it like all day. <laughs> and I had a Pirates franchise going. And Jake McGee was just this minor leaguer for the Rays at the time. And, you know, I was I was building up the Pirates, so I traded for a bunch of prospects from all these different teams. Jake, Jake McGee ended up becoming my ace. That's how the Sim, what the Sim developed them into. So I have a soft spot for Jake McGee, actually. Just to just to share with you some of my sim exploits, I'm sure it's very interesting. <laughs> All right, I'll take your word for it. But uh, yeah, I I have uh, Jake McGee on my main event team again, and a team that I have three what I thought were closers coming in, and I have zero saves. So there you go, baseball. JP Crawford went two for five with his first steal, and he's off to a nice start. He's ten for twenty four. He has three doubles, just one strikeout. He's forty two percent rostered. Scott, your waiver wire intrasometer in JP Crawford. One. <laughs> no, there's nothing to see here. All right, fair enough. Uh, Ronzi Contreras, I wanted to ask you about. He came in in relief on Thursday for the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's one of the top pitching prospects in their organization. Three shutout, one hit, one walk, five strikeouts, nine swinging strikes on 46 pitches, and he averaged 97 miles per hour, miles per hour on the fastball. Spin rate on his curveball, 2,853 RPM. That is elite. 14% rostered. Scott, what is your uh, waiver wire interest ometer in Ronzi Contreras? So I guess he's in the same spot Spencer Strider's in and Aaron Ashby was in. Now it sounds like Ashby's at least getting one turn in the rotation upcoming for the Brewers. I don't know how long they'll go six man. Maybe he'll end up bumping somebody out completely, but. It, it's more of a stash now for Contreras. I, I think maybe you could use him in deeper categories leagues as just kind of a cheap strikeouts guy. So I'll call my interest level in him like a four for okay. the purposes of this exercise. But yeah, def, like when it, whenever he does enter the rotation for the Pirates, he's going to be pretty interesting. All right, in deeper leagues, let's get through these a little bit quicker. Aroldis Chapman okay. enters in a three-run league, uh, three-run game. He walks the bases loaded, no outs. And uh, then I think Michael King came in to close the game out. Any interest in stashing Jonathan Loisaga and or Chad Green? Very little. And this was uh, this was Chapman's first shaky outing of the season, and basically every closer has had one by now. Yep. I, this is one where I have to remind myself to like take it easy, Scott. I mean, more so as a fan because I'm just like done with a role to Chapman. <laughs> done with him. Raver San Martin came in in relief. He was the uh, I guess the the long reliever, the the follower uh, against the Dodgers. Five shutout, two hits, zero walks, two strikeouts in deeper leagues. Any interest? 
I would say minimal interest. All right. The last one on this list, Dan Vogelbach, four for five with his first homer, and he, as of now, strong side of the platoon. He's 2% rostered. I've always kind of liked Daniel Vogelbach against my better judgment. <laughs> uh, but the Pirates are going to give him a, a lot of chances. So that's, you know, th- this may be his best opportunity ever to break in and emerge as something. Um, you know, four hit games, not really moving the needle for me, but we'll keep an eye on him. All right. Ace is going to ace. Let's take a look at a few aces from Thursday. Sandy Alcantara, a nice bounce back here. Six and a third, one run, five strikeouts. He had 19 swinging strikes on 94 pitches. Kevin Gaussman, very strong outing at the Yankees. Five and two thirds, two runs, nine strikeouts, 21 swinging strikes. And he induced one of the worst swings I've ever seen in my life on Giancarlo Stanton. Go check out my Twitter or or Pitching Ninja because he tweeted it out. It, it was bad. And then Joe Musgrove just put on a clinic against the Braves. Sorry, Scott. Six and two-thirds shutout with six strikeouts. Uh, anything that you notice here, Scott, on Sandy, Gosman. Why did I say his name like that? Sandy, Gosman, and Joe Musgrove. <laughs> yeah, that's the right way to say it. You're right. Uh, Gosman, 21 swinging strikes and... and specifically 13 on just 24 splitters. So nasty. I think he's, I think he's going to be fine. I know we're a little worried, uh, you know, kind of a bumpy second half and now he's going to Toronto again. It's only one week. So things could change, but you, you, you can feel pretty comfortable with Gosman right now. I should say Musgrove, the velocity was down and the spin was down quite a bit. Uh, obviously it didn't affect, affect the results in this start, but I would add him to the list of high-end pitchers who are at least a little concerning first time through. You know, I'm not looking to dump him or anything. I say first time through. This is a second start, obviously. But yeah, I definitely want to keep an eye on those velocities and spin rates in the starts ahead. All right. Uh, For Kevin Gosman, I wanted to add the slider velo was up two miles per hour, so... That is a, a good velocity reading. We we haven't gotten a lot a lot of those so far. So uh, just more greatness from uh, Kevin Gosman. Not nearly an ace count outcome from these two, Scott, but they were solid. Brandon Woodruff, he needed a bounce back performance. Five shutout, three hits, one walk, only two strikeouts in this one. And then Logan Gilbert, solid on the road at the White Sox. Five innings, four hits, one unearned run, four strikeouts, two zero walks. Uh, anything on Woodruff? and or Logan Gilbert. So Woodruff, I understand he didn't get a lot of strikeouts. 12 swinging strikes on 89 pitches. That's that's whatever. I, I think he's... I, I, I don't think there's anything to worry about here. Bad spring, bad first start. This start, you know, a little underwhelming with the strikeouts. But remember in that first start, he was hardly throwing his secondaries at all. He threw like 70% fastballs. It was 53% fastballs this time, combined four-seamer and two-seamer which is more in line with with what he was doing last year. So I think those secondaries are starting to come around after the uh, abbreviated spring training. And the stuff looks fine in terms of velocity. I think Woodruff's going to be absolutely fine. All right, we got an email from Scott earlier in the day. Not Scott White. Grade the trade. Head-to-head categories with expanded rosters. Only eight teams in this league. The pitching categories are wins plus quality starts, innings, strikeouts, ERA, whip, saves, plus holds. I gave Joe Musgrove and Logan Gilbert for Brandon Woodruff and Aaron Ashby in an eight-team league. A league that shallow, just sell out for the best player, which is Woodruff. 
So I would say uh, I would say that's a B plus. B plus. I mean, you gave up two pretty good pitchers, and in like a twelve team league, I might hesitate to do it. But for yeah. an eight team league, yeah, you just got to go for the best you can get. He does add that there's expanded rosters, so I wonder if maybe it plays like a ten or twelve team league based on that. Uh, Woodruff is far and away the best player in this deal. Then it's Musgrove, then it's Gilbert, then it's Ashby after those guys. Uh, I think in a vacuum, I think this is a very fair trade, Scott. I, I just I would give it a C, but because it's a shallower league, I give you the slight advantage like a C plus or, or B minus for me. Let's talk about some hitter standouts from Thursday. Brandon Lau, two for four with his third home run. This one was off of a lefty and Brandon Lau's off to a very nice start. He's batting 296, just five strikeouts in seven games. Jesse Winker stand out in the wrong for the wrong reasons. 0 for four with two strikeouts. He is three for 22 does have eight walks. So the OBP is there right now. All three of his hits are singles. However, the underlying stat cast metrics are all great right now for Jesse Winker. 92 mile per hour exit velocity, 317 XBA, 558 X slug. So if you have Winker, don't do anything rash yet. It seems like better days are coming for him. Christian Yelich went one for four with a double. We mentioned nearly hit a home run in this game. He had three hard hit balls um, and he's looked good so far, Scott. I, I, I think we were maybe talking off the podcast before the podcast the other day and you and... Um, you and Chris were talking about how you've been impressed by Christian Yelich thus far. Yeah, I can't remember what stat Chris shared with us. Something like he had the best hard hit rate of the year so far or something like that. And he doesn't have a home run yet, Christian Yelich, but he's showing a good eye. He's he's making elite contact. And his launch angle's better than it was last year. It's not where it was at his peak but it's good enough to suggest that if he if he keeps it going, obviously, and again, we're talking very little data, but encouraging signs from a player who I know a lot of people were worried about coming into the year, rightfully so. He's It hasn't translated to big results yet, but the, the underlying numbers say it's coming. All right. We can't talk about Yelich without, of course, talking about Cody Bellinger. Just checked in on the Dodger game. He's two for three. With a walk, uh, both of his hits are singles. He also stole another base. So he's now up to three steals. He hit his first home run on Wednesday. And now he's batting 286. So I'm not saying Cody Bellinger is back, but this is what we needed to see. We need to see some signs of life. And, you know, the past three or four games, Cody Bellinger has looked a lot better. So uh, credit to yeah. him. Let's, let's see if he can keep if, it up. If nothing else, the willingness to run is very encouraging. It's sort of obviously fast enough to do it, but I don't think anybody was necessarily counting on him for stolen bases, even if he did bounce back, because you know he's been kind of Manny Machado-like as far as those go, where you're, you're never sure if they're going to be there from one year to the next. By yeah. the way, Manny Machado up to three stolen bases now, too. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tony Santian came in the game in the bottom of the eighth inning, and he got crushed. Two hits... Three earned runs, gave up a three-run homer to Will Smith. Uh, Scott, if you added Tony Santian, or if anyone added Tony Santian last weekend, you feel all right dropping him, right? I mean, say it's plus holds leagues, maybe not, but mm -hmm. there aren't many of those. So, <sighs> sure. I mean, it, it doesn't look like he's going to be even the second choice for saves once Lucas Sims gets back. 
I made such a bad move. We were talking before, Scott, and I am just beating myself up for this, man. In a deeper league, I dropped Michael Givens, who picked up the save on Thursday for Tony Santian, and it feels awful. When you make like a bad closer decision, it just feels so, so bad. Uh, Tommy Edmond, let's yeah, get back. I mean, not not that Michael Givens, I think, is now replacing David Robertson as the Cubs closer, but it, right. that situation is not crystal clear, if nothing else. Yeah. Let's get back into the hitters. Tommy Edmond, one for two with his second home run. He's off to a great start. He's batting 400 with just two strikeouts in five games. Frankie how many? Two hits is back. All he needed was Coors Field. Two hits in this game. He hit his first home run of the season. 87% rostered. That actually kind of surprised me. So people are in on Frankie two hits. Maybe Vlad Jr. felt the effects of that finger injury today. Remember, he got stepped on by Aaron Hicks uh, when he was covering first base yesterday. Still hit the three home runs in that game. But then today, he goes 0 for 4 with four strikeouts. So, all right. He's all right. <laughs> it's He's allowed to do that after three home runs. Corey Seager, two for four with his first Rangers home run. He is batting 346 early on. And a few stolen bases I wanted to mention. JT Real Muto, four for four with his first steal. Jace Peterson now has two steals for those who play in deeper leagues. Colton Wong went two for four with his first steal. Brian Hayes, true story. Scott wanted to talk about Brian Hayes as his oh-my-goodness-gracious player because he stole a base. That's the reason. <laughs> there wasn't a lot of oh my goodness gracious today, so I was struggling to come up with one. Yeah, but yeah, no, I mean, so that's his third as well, right? I think it's his second, but I will confirm that once again right now. Yeah, you're right. It's his second. Yeah, no, that's good. I mean, uh, but to get if you could get ten to fifteen steals out of your out of a third baseman, those are out of position steals. Those those are very valuable. Well, it's. He's on pace for well more than that, because I don't know if you heard, Frank. It's only been a week. No, he's on pace for like 40 steals. Let's go. Give us 40 steals. We'll take <laughs> it. And by us, I mean hit, I have like one share of Cabrian Hayes, so not much. He's hitting the ball hard, too, but a little too much on the ground still. Uh, you know, jury's still out on what kind of player Hayes is going to be, I'd say. Yep. Adalberto Montesi, 0 for 3 with a walk, but he picked up his first two steals of the season. Whit Merrifield went 1 for 5. He picked up his third steal. Austin Nola stole a base as part of a double steal with Manny Machado. And then Yankees backup catcher, Jose Trevino, stole a base. He now has more steals than Bo Bichette, Jazz Chisholm, and Tim Anderson. Because baseball. That's why. The call to the bullpen for the Oakland A's, Lou Trevino, Pitched three of the last four games, so he was not available on Thursday. A gentleman named Danny Jimenez picked up the save there. Uh, so just a name to watch if anything happens to Trevino or, or if he's traded at some point. For the Mariners, Drew Steckenrider pitched in the seventh inning up 3-1. to one. He faced the 6-7-8 and eight in the lineup. Diego Castillo was used in the eighth. At that time, the score was 5-1. to one. And then Paul Sewald was used in the ninth. Uh, Scott, would you be okay dropping Drew Steckenrider if you have him in deeper leagues? Would you drop him for the Red Sox guys, for example, like Hansel Robles or Jake Diekman? Look, it's two versus three. <laughs> right. So, well, I don't know. I don't know that we can completely rule out Mount Barnes for the Red Sox. I just, I hate closer situations like this. I mean, the Mariners never really settled on anybody last year, at least after they traded Kendall Graveman. So, um, I don't know. I think if saves are really hard to find in your league, you probably need to hold on to second rider. I can always tell when you're stressed out, Scott, because you start rubbing your head. and <laughs> Well, it's just like, it's trying to... You need the stress ball. Words, Where's the stress put ball? Put into words 
what really can only be known by experience, you know? Mm -hmm. Where, where's the stress ball, Scott? I, I, like I don't know. I lost it. <laughs> kid probably ran off with it. Yeah. Uh, for the Detroit Tigers, Gregory Soto was in the ninth inning with a two-run lead. He converted his second save of the season. Michael Fulmer once again pitched in the eighth. And we mentioned for the Cubs, Michael Givens picked up a save with a three-run lead. David Robertson technically should have been available. He pitched last on Tuesday, April 12th. He did pitch no, not even back to back days. It was he pitched mm -hmm. April tenth before that. So it seems like yeah. Robertson should have been available, but they still went to Michael Givens. So right, it was a three run lead. So even though it was a save situation, they may not have viewed it as the most high leverage situation. I mean, that's the thing. How many closers are they really? Most bullpens probably just have more of a leverage guy. That usually ends up getting their saves, but not, not with the same dedication, consistency that what that we think of a true closer getting, you know? I have a theory, Scott. Michael Givens has pitched in Colorado before for the Rockies. They were in Colorado for this game. That's why they used him. He Maybe. knows he knows how to pitch there. Yeah, I just completely made that up. I, I don't. I don't know if it's true, but is it a conspiracy theory or is it just a theory? That one, uh, that's a conspiracy theory. Yeah, we can mm. we can file that under the uh, Luis Severino Cutter conspiracy theories uh, on today's podcast to stream or not to stream. Oh, I just realized, Scott, we didn't give out a uh, fortune favors the brave two star pitcher of the week for next week. <laughs> that's something we have to do. Uh, Scott, you're breaking up again. Uh, Oh, come on, man. Oh, there you go. You're back. I don't know what's going on. Jeez, Maybe it's geez. my internet. I don't know either. I forgot to pay my cable bill. Who is the scariest pitcher on this list? You know, Josiah Gray is pretty scary. I mean, he... He, he got had all a, the home runs. Yeah. yeah he, he had a great start recently against the Braves, but he is someone that can be very hit or miss. So, I'm going to go... I think it's... I think... You're going to go with him? You're I'm going to go, go with Josiah Gray. Gray. Who are you going to go I'm with? I'm going to go with Nick Lodolo. Okay. I don't really want to start Nick Lodolo after that debut, but... Yeah, he's making two starts and has a lot of upside. So yeah, that's my fortune favor. I think it should be fortune favors the bold Frank. Well, not I, brave. All right, you'll do bold. I'll do brave. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's wrap up here with our to stream or not to stream for the weekend uh, for Friday. Let's start with Mitch Keller versus the Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty is at the Pirates. Zach Eflin at the Marlins. Drew Rasmussen hmm. at the White Sox. Reed Detmers at the Rangers, Brad Keller versus the Tigers, Kyle Wright at the Padres, and then Mackenzie Gore making his debut against the Braves. You know, I don't think Gore's a must-start in his debut, but he's probably my favorite of this group. I don't mind Kyle Wright or Mitch Keller or Brad Keller or Reed Detmers or Drew Rasmussen or Zach Eflin. <laughs> I think they're all usable. The only one who isn't is Eric Fetty. Get that right. out of there. Yeah. I think I might put Zach Eflin at the top of the list. Yeah. I yeah. Like my, my eyes went there kind of late. But yeah. no, I want to put him ahead of Gore, but I might put him second behind Gore with that matchup at Miami. Yeah. 
That's right. fair. Let's go to Saturday. Jamison Tyone at the Orioles. Nick Martinez versus the Braves. Josh Rogers at the Pirates. Adrian Hauser versus the Cardinals. Tommy Hearn versus the Angels. And then Paul Blackburn at the Blue Jays. I was kind of struggling to find names here, so. Yeah, Jamison Tyone at Baltimore, obviously a really good matchup, and he got all those swinging strikes in his first start of the season. I don't know where those were last year. A little skeptical of it, but with that matchup, I think you could roll the dice. Uh, if you need a second one, Adrian Hauser versus the Cardinals would be my pick. No, 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 they won it. I'm sorry, Nick Martinez versus the Braves would be my second pick. And I actually, I actually am starting to like him quite a bit. Okay. So Adrian Hauser third. I would like to apologize to Taylor Hearn because I called him Tommy Hearn. Uh, I guess I had a legendary boxer Tommy Hearns in my head there. Taylor Hearn, by the way, if you haven't seen it, he had an awesome like press conference where his sister was asking the questions. I, I don't know if she's like a reporter or if she was just there, but it was awesome. It was like a really like wholesome response. So if anyone hasn't seen it, go check it out again. That is uh, Taylor Hearn with the Texas Rangers. For Sunday, Nestor Cortez at the Baltimore Orioles. Eliezer Hernandez versus the Phillies. Aaron Ashby versus the Cardinals. Uh, Carlos Hernandez versus the Tigers and Jose Quintana versus the Nationals. So as good as Nestor Cortez looked against the Blue Jays, I'm happy to start him at Baltimore. I like the potential of Aaron Ashby, obviously. I'm not sure he's going to be ready to go the five innings needed to get a win. But still, he'd be my second choice of this group. All right, we're going to wrap there. For Scott, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball Today. We'll be back again on Monday. Bye-bye. Baseball has begun, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today in 5, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Samphill, every Monday through Saturday as we deliver all of your fantasy baseball needs in just five minutes. We'll break down the biggest performers, news, and prospects who could make an impact this season. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found. 